Welcome to Word Mission Church International Podcast. Now the Word with Paul Mensa Wood. To realize the treasure it is with discerning the voice of God. Now, the question I have is why should anyone or everyone know the voice of God? Why? Because God has a unique plan for your life. He has what? A unique plan for your life. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Now, when we begin to go through this, I would like for you to pay close attention because what's happening is that God is beginning to teach us through what he's teaching some of his characteristics, some of the postures that we need to discern and hear the voice of God. Two, hearing the voice of God informs our financial life. Isaiah 48 verse 17 says, Thus says the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord thy God that teaches you to profit. God teaches us to profit, not to make a loss. I remember before we went on TV, um, we had gotten a number of bids. And if you have any business or if you've had any major things to do, you collect bids. And so we had gotten a number of bids. And these bids that had been given to us were so high. So I was just thinking, God, is there any better price somewhere? And then I got, who brings this product to the nation? Have you ever thought about that? That you're about to buy something on Amazon and you think, who brings this product to the nation? It's like, I never thought about that. But God worked it out. I went online and I connected with the actual person who brings the product to the nation. And so the bid we had gotten to install just one camera was higher than the bid we got for the whole series of cameras that we needed. Because God touches our financial life as well. He teaches us to profit. In my personal life, I, re I remember when we were trying to buy our first home, you know, he, he, he's able to do what we commit into his hands. If you put it in his hands, he will take care of it. So we're about to buy our first home, and around 7 p.m. in the evening, there I am, and the Holy Spirit tells me, call the listing agent. I have an agent, I have a realtor, but he says, call the listing agent. So I pick up the phone and I call the listing agent, and I don't know why I've called the listing agent. I know that there's a house we're looking at, but had she asked me, why have you called me, I don't think I'll know exactly what to say. I'll just say about the house. Well, I call the listing agent, and she says, tomorrow we need to close on this house. Bring your best offer, and we'll just do it. And so the price never changed online, nothing changed. We had our own secret deal, and then we got the house. Amen. Amen. God cares about every aspect of our life. It's not a God who just cares about this spiritual aspect, or he cares about everything concerning us. Number three, he delivers us from the enemy set up. Psalm 91 verse 3 says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snail of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will deliver you. And I'll give you two examples. One when I missed it and one when I didn't. Okay. So let's start with a bad one. So we homeschooled our, our kids and, uh, some of, uh, for some of the years, for preschool, for Joseph. So this particular day, here I am, I'm teaching Joseph how to know pennies and dimes and nickels. And the whole time the Holy Spirit is telling me, 
stop and pray. He's impressing upon me, stop and pray. And I actually would tell Joseph, I really feel an urge to pray, but then I wouldn't. I'll just, let's keep going. Nickels, this way we shade it. Pennies, this way, dimes. And, we, and I'll go a little bit, I'll tell him, Joseph, I really feel an edge that we, need, we really need to stop and pray, but let's keep going. Today's your brother's birthday. I need to make the cake. I have to take things to the class. I have to package this and that. So I'm all busy, busy mom. Taking care of theft, you know, we have lots to do. We have lots of things to do as moms. So I'm doing all of this. I never paused to pray. I didn't do it. So here we are. We get to... Joshua's school, it's his birthday, and we go into the playground, and this huge kid from nowhere runs into Joseph and hits him onto the cement floor. His skull is busted open with blood everywhere. Now, I don't know if my son has a, uh, a brain injury. Is he going to be okay? We, we, we left them. We went to the uh, um, hospital on Braggett Boulevard. We stayed there the whole day. The birthday turned into a hospital stay. You know, when you don't make time for God, <laughs> when I wouldn't stop to pray, I spend the rest of the day in the ER, now praying that he doesn't have a brain injury. If we're too busy to pray, we spend the rest of our time doing what is unnecessary. But then there's this other story. There was one night... It was actually throughout the day, we had this edge that something was wrong. We didn't know who it was. We didn't know what it was. But we have our time that we pray in the evening, and we were praying. But, like, somebody's life is in danger. We don't know who it is. We don't know what it is. But we, we kept praying. We kept praying for hours, for hours, until the burden lifted. And that's a whole different teaching, if you know what that means. But you pray until you have a release that it's done. Anyway. The next morning, around 9 a.m., I get a call. Uh, this, this testimony is actually on the website. So Angelia Collins, she shared that while she was here, but she's in Kansas now. And she calls me in the morning, and she says, someone just drove, drove by and just sprayed their house with gunshots. So everywhere. So she's sitting on her deck. She's working, and she gets up to go get coffee. Uh, coffee is not the savior. It was God who caused her to get up from that place and go and get coffee. But what would have happened if God had prompted us to pray? Maybe he would have found somebody else. But we could have woken up, and she and whoever she was living with could have been dead. It's very possible. Because prayer makes a difference. We see the negative. When he prompted me to pray and I didn't do it, we see what happened to Joseph. Now, had nothing happened, we'll just go about and say, hmm, it's just a coincidence. Uh, we just prayed, but yeah, what's special about today? We, when we had a birthday party, we would have not known that he had been saved from a busted head. Sometimes God does that so that we can appreciate what he does for us. Now, four... We discern deception and avoid wrong associations. We discern deception, wrong contract. In the Bible, Joshua 9, Joshua made a covenant with the Gibeonites. And the Bible clearly says that he did not ask counsel of the Lord. He just looked at the evidence. So somebody comes to us and they say, this is a great business plan. And when we go with this plan, our business will bloom. Our company will take off. And we just take that plan and we say, 
sounds good. Everything looks good and checks out. And then we just go with that. And the Bible says, if you need wisdom, in James 1.15, he says, acts of the Lord. So as believers, we don't do things just by the natural things we see, but we do things having prayed and seeking God's wisdom. Five, the blessings of others are connected to our obeying the voice of God. The blessings of ours are connected to obeying the voice of God. I think of Reinhard Bonnke, who spent many years in Africa just um, sowing the gospel, sowing the gospel, sowing the gospel. I think, what if he didn't go? What if he didn't obey when God said it? Because how can they hear if there's not a preacher? And then God put on pastors had to go to Tanzania. What if he didn't go? Because the Bible says in Luke 6, 18, that they hear and they become healed. There's someone that has to preach a message of faith for them to hear, and then they get healed. So if no one goes to preach a message of faith that stirs up that for them to be healed, what if pastor didn't go? The testimonies we celebrate today. What if he said, God, COVID just ended. I don't want to go. But no, people's miracles are on the other side of our obedience. Amen. Their miracles are on the other side of our obedience. It would save your life. Isaiah 30, 21. And your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Turn not to the left, turn not to the right or to the left. A voice behind you saying, this is the way to go. I'm going to share a testimony with you. This is about 22 years ago. I, I, was, I was living next to the administrative building. Uh, where I was volunteering at my high school. And it was literally a stone throw. And I, and I was helping with teaching science and math because uh, they had a shortage of teachers. And the principal had come to say, are there any people here who can come help? We're in trouble. We need help. So anyway, I go, and that evening, I come out with 40 composition notebooks. So there are about 40 students per class. So I have them all graded, and I'm taking them to go put them at the admin. But I walk out of the place and I look at the admin, there's no one there, which is normal because this is evening, it's around seven. But this is what's strange. I, instead of me to go that way, because that's why I came out, I started to go south and then I started to go east. And I go all the way to see this woman who is about almost a mile away. And think about it, does it make sense? You have 40 notebooks. And then instead of you to drop it where you can see so you can walk freely, you carry 40 notebooks a mile away, and then you come all the way back to the administration building. I get to the administration building. So many people are there. I'm wondering, what is going on? They had just killed a huge 20-foot cobra. And this cobra was laying at the bottom of where I would have gone and placed my books. So every teacher has a cubicle. Every teacher has a cubicle where they place their books. And just underneath, so you have your name, you can put your books there. You have your name, and at the very bottom, they had just killed a cobra. Now, when, this is what happened. The chaplain was driving by and saw the cobra. So she's in her car, she can speed up. I don't have a car. I am walking on my two legs, and I see this cobra. So 
I get there and she had called the maintenance guys and they're trained to do this, to kill the cobra. So he comes ready knowing what he's about to do. Now think about me. This is the biggest you have seen me. I used to be so tiny and small. <laughs> I mean, just the sight of the cobra alone, just the fact that I see a cobra alone is enough. I mean, I've grown to some point, but I still don't want to see a cobra, I tell you. I don't even want to see a cobra today. No. So, <laughs> God saved my life. Now, the question is, God has no favorite. So, how does he speak to us? He has no favorite. He's not choosing one over another. So, there should be a way that he speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word. So, 2 Peter 1, 17 through 20 Peter is recounting the incident on the Mount of Configuration when, they were, when there was transfiguration and the sound, the voice came down and said, this is my son, hear him. He's recounting those words. But then he comes down to verse 19 and he says, we also have a more sure word of prophecy. He's trying to say that the word of God has substance, that God will speak to us through his word. Now, he will speak to us through the still, small voice, too. Romans 8.14 says, They who are led, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, are the sons of God. And daughters also. Now, three, God will speak to us also through his audible voice. We've seen precedents of that in the Bible. In Acts 9, 4, uh, Paul, uh, Paul is going, then he was called Saul, and he's running quickly to go um, persecute the Christians on the way to Damascus. As he's almost at Damascus, there's this huge light that shines, and Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, whatever we do to the body of Christ, we do to Jesus. He says, why are you persecuting me? And then again, we see when Jesus is being baptized, the voice comes down when John the Baptist is baptizing him and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. My beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 3, 16 through 17. Now I want to share an experience with you about my own encounter with hearing the voice of God, the audible voice of God. So I had this custom when I was in college, um, from 11.55 a.m. Through, <coughs> through 2 a.m., I'll go to my hall chapel, which was in the same hall that I was at. So I would start my journey around 11.55 just so I make it. I just felt like I wanted to start my day exactly at 12 a.m. with the Lord. So it's going to take me about two minutes to walk there, but I want to just give myself 11.55 was the key, and I'll start walking down to the hall chapel. So I get to the hall chapel usually, and just so I don't feel alone, because most of the time people were in there, I would say, Holy Spirit, I'm here. God, I'm here. Jesus, I'm here. All of us are here together to <laughs> praise and worship. It was just me and them. It made me feel like there were more people in the room. Anyway, so this was what I would do. I would pray in the Spirit, then I would praise, and I will pray in the Spirit. And then when it's 2 a.m., I will just go mind my own business, go sleep. And I wake up at 7, go for lectures. I always felt refreshed. Don't feel bad for me. That sleep was way more than enough for me. I felt really energized when I woke up because I, you, you, you just get strengthened and refreshed in his presence. It's not, it's not it, it is, it makes a change. He says, those who appear before him are strengthened. So 
I was strengthened. But on this particular day, something unusual happened when I got to the hall chapel. So here am I at the hall chapel, and that day I was just bearing my soul to the Lord. Do you ever do that? Do you ever go to him and go like, God, I don't like how things are going this way, or I don't like how this is happening, or I don't, I'm not really, I don't really kind of follow you right now. What exactly are you doing, and do you really care about me? So I'm there, and I'm just burying my heart and telling him all my difficulties and all my challenges in life. It's better to tell God than people. So anyway, I finish all my complaining, and then I just sit still. And I just sit still. I don't know what I was expecting, but I heard a voice. I thought someone had walked into the room, so I turned back to see who it was. But what I heard was a scripture. A scripture had been spoken. And I said, what? Like, what? I turned no one was there. So then I opened the Bible, and I read the scripture, and whoo, most consoling, most encouraging. It was like God knew exactly where I was, and he was telling me, I have good plans. I understand where you are. And I, I, I'm working things out for you. It spoke volumes. You know how you can read one scripture and it's just unveiling, unveiling so many things to you. And this was that kind of experience. Well, right after that, I, I know you guys have heard about Mrs. Jackson because I never, I always talk about that woman. Yeah. But I never asked her for money once in my life. And she's still alive. She could be watching. I don't know. But I've never, ever asked her for money. Now, after that situation, Mrs. Jackson began to <laughs> cause people to send, to cause her daughter to send me money. So every two weeks, she would send her daughter, Baba, to send me money. And they'll send the money, and I will have money that will last a couple of months. They did this from that date till college was over. They did that the whole time. Now, whenever we have an experience, there should be precedence in the Bible. But also, how you know it's from God is what follows. It wasn't just a spooky experience. It's what followed confirmed that really, indeed, it was from the Lord. Revelations 1, 10 through 16, it says, I was in the spirit in the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a voice. And then in verse 12, it says, and I turned. I, I turned to see who was speaking to me. I turned to see who was speaking to me. And God was speaking. And he had a plan. Amen. amen. Now, amen. Are we getting anything out of this so yes. far? Yes. Awesome. Yes. I'm glad. I'm glad you are. <laughs> I'm trying to pack a lot into this one hour. God is good. And I know you have your Mother's Day dinner, so I'll let you, I'll let you off early. But <laughs> there are three tests you want to do to determine something you're receiving or you think you have is from God. Three tests. You want to check it against the word of God. Is there a precedence in the word of God or is it just me imagining? Two, you want to check it against the character of God. That's where many times we miss it. Is God disloyal? No, God is loyal. Is God a betrayer. No, he is faithful. Is God a liar? No, the devil is a liar. God is not a liar. So it's God truthful. Yes, he's truthful. 
So we want to check it against God's character. Is God thankful? He is. Is he sincere? Is God sincere? Yes. Oh, and is he humble? He is. He says, I've exalted my word above my name. Jesus said, I do not speak of myself. I only say what the Father says to say. Imagine you have a business. I remember I had toward the end of college, it just happened to be because I was doing decorations at church and they'll just keep having me do decorations for stuff. But I would have people who I delegate to do weddings and stuff when I get the contracts. And when I do, I had just the best people. You tell them something, they go and they do exactly that. It's so refreshing to know that you have people that do not have their own agenda. It's gold and purple wedding, yes. This is gold and purple. Make sure everything in that place is gold and purple. <laughs> do not put any blues in this wedding. And they do it. And it's so refreshing to know that Jesus came to the world. He didn't come with his own agenda. He didn't come and behave. He says, although he was way up there, he came and he submitted himself. So God is trustworthy, dependable, faithful. And see, Psalm 25 verse 9, it says, He guides the humble. There's a posture of our heart that attracts the Lord to guide us. He guides the humble and he teaches him his way. When we're humble, God guides us. When we're humble. And we know when we're humble. It's not, it's not what somebody sees or somebody says. You know in your heart when you're humble. But as we go through this lesson today, there's a little caveat. There are people who sincerely want to hear the voice of God. They, they, they truly do. But there are some things the enemy of our soul knows that they want to hear the voice of God so badly that he knows how to trip them up. See, if the enemy has been living on this earth all these years, way before we were born, and if we leave, he will still be here. You better know he knows how to trap man. So he knows the things to do to get us to trip, even for the sincere people who are wanting to do what is right. So let's take a little pause here and look at how the enemy can deceive even people who sincerely want to walk and hear the voice of God. They, they are all in all trying their best to hear the voice of God, but the enemy knows how to deceive them. Look at the life of Abraham. I want to show you something. Abraham, great man of God, man of faith. In Genesis 12, 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, and this is Abraham speaking to his wife. He says, Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see you, they would say, this is his wife, and then they will kill me, and they will save your life. Now, Abraham is concerned because he's saying his wife is beautiful. So he's scared that when he gets to the Egyptians, and the Egyptians see his wife, they would kill him and take his wife. But who gives the spirit of fear? Yeah. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. So if you feel fear, where is it coming from? Devil. It's coming from the devil. So that's an indication. What are you feeling about the decision you're about to make? He's afraid for his life. And the God who brought him all the way from his town, at this point, he's already forgot he can keep him. So he's saying, I'm afraid, in a sense. He's saying, I'm afraid. So do what? Lie. 
Who is the liar? The devil. So let's look at some of the characteristics of the devil. He's a liar. He's selfish interest. He's jealous. He's envious. There's pride. He's disloyal. His name, his name in the Greek is translated as slanderer. He's, in, in the street Greek, it's called backbiter. So when you're speaking Greek, you're literally saying devil, you're saying backbiter. So every time we're doing any of these, who is present? What spirit is present? It's not, the, it's not God. So see, now he's moved from fear. The spirit of fear came. After the spirit of fear came, another characteristic of the devil just showed up. Let's lie. See, Paul was saying something in the Bible. He says, people slanderously say, let's do evil that good will come. So this is Abraham, a great man. He's saying, I'm afraid. Let's lie so that my life will be saved. Can we all get that? Can we all see that's what he's saying? That's what he's saying. I'm afraid. Let's lie. Let's save my life. The moment you step into fear, the spirit of the devil is there. The moment you start lying, that's the characteristics of the devil. He's present. And now, see what happens. So Abraham, he goes and he tells them this. And look at what happens right after that in verse 16 of 12. And he entreated Abraham well for her sake. He had sheep. He had oxen, he had axes, and man sevens, maid sevens, she asses, and camels. So he had all these things after he had lied. Think about it. You've done so many bad things, right? And suddenly it feels like God is rewarding us. Oh, I was afraid. I just lied. But look at all the booty. I got, I got sheep. I got oxen. I got asses. I got May sevens. Man servants, she asses, and camels. The lie didn't cost anything after all. I disobeyed the word of God, but good things followed, right? Good things followed. You know I'm going somewhere with this, right? So Genesis 16, here comes Abraham's wife. After 10 years, she's tired. She's like, what are we going to do? Here's my maid servant, Hagar, which we got from Egypt. Go in and have a child with her because God has delayed way too much. And so they make a man-made miracle called Ishmael. Because, you see, the Bible says the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. But not the devil. You got something the devil's way, you would pay for it. So now they are having marital problems. The first time we're seeing marital problems in his home is after this Haggai person, whom they got from Egypt, is now feeling proud. You couldn't have any kids. Now here am I. I am the one who can have kids. And all of a sudden, there's issues. There's marital problems. Because the devil doesn't tell you the whole picture. He doesn't tell you the whole picture when he's trying to lie to you. No. So that's why if it is the devil, you know that there's lying, there's, you're feeling jealous or envious, is the devil. Whatever you, decisions you make after that, the devil is staring it up. Ah, we need to check this. The Greek word for devil is diabolos. So what does diabolos mean? It means, the balas means to throw like a ball, to keep throwing like a ball, throwing like a ball. And the dia till you penetrate. So Diabolus is, think of the devil, he takes thoughts 
He's going to keep slinging it at your mind. Keep slinging it at your mind. Keep slinging it at your mind till he weakens your mind and penetrates and takes over your mind. That's what he does. So when we do not have enough depth of the word of God, it's so easy for him to do that. Look at Genesis 2, 15. So this is when, this is when in Genesis 2, 15, the Lord took the man in, in the garden and he told him to take care of it, right? And then God told him in 17, but you, might not, you must not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Now, at this time, Eve had not been formed. He told Adam alone. Now, in Genesis 2.21 is when he creates Eve. So Eve comes. I have no idea if Eve really fully understands what's going on. Because the Bible says that Adam was not deceived, but Eve was deceived. We only get deceived because we didn't fully comprehend the word of God. Because we didn't ever fully comprehend it when the enemy begins to throw lies. It's so easy to disperse the little truth we have. Because when she was asked why she did it, her answer, at no point did God say, do not touch it. She adds so many things to the thing. And I'm like, that is what we call secondhand faith. You never really had a full understanding of why you need to be in church. So someone comes to you and says, you can read the Bible at home by yourself. And you say, yeah, that makes sense. I'll save on gas. There's a lady at church I don't like anyway. I wouldn't get to see her if I can save on gas plus not see Rosemary. Praise the Lord. I would read the Bible at home. Because the, the devil knows that if only you knew the scripture. In Hebrews 12, 24, it says, But you have come unto Mount Zion, which is the church, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to a myriad of angels, festive gatherings, to a general assembly of firstborns registered as citizens of heaven, to God, the judge of all. He says, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect. It talks about to Jesus, the mediator. And then he says to the blood sprinkling, that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, you know what? The Holy Spirit is not mentioned in there because the Holy Spirit, when Jesus left, he left it with us. The Holy Spirit is in our hearts. So he goes home with us. He comes back with us. There's a difference when you gather at church. God's manifest presence is here. The angels ascending and descending. And what do angels do? Angels are those who hearken to the voice of God and go bring you your goodies. Have you ever heard of stories when someone was missing a body part but supernaturally got it? When the angels hear you praying and they're gathering and descending up and down in church, that's what the Bible says. They bring things and fix things supernaturally. In the house, you have the Holy Spirit. In the church, you have pres the, the manifest presence of God. Now, don't get confused. God is three in one. I'm not saying he's not 3-1. But Hebrews 12, 22-24 mentions two of the Godheads and only leaves one because everybody knows the Holy Spirit is with us everywhere we go. So all three are with you in the church. But the manifest presence of God, the manifest presence of Jesus, the angels that are hearkening to your words to go bring your answers to you, they come in the gathering when we gather as a buddy. So see why the enemy would want you to be at home. Because he knows you don't know the Bible enough 
to know that there's more you get, to know that in Psalm 103.20, the angels are here with you and doing something. It's, they're doing something. They're doing something on your behalf. And so one day I was in, um, I was in a grocery store and while I was at the grocery store, this lady, um, she follows me very concerned, and she says, God told her to pay for my groceries. I, all I got was one item. So she's very concerned, and she follows me. And I said, the first thing I asked her was, where do you go to church? She says, I don't go to church. It's just me and God. And I was like, I know. I know it. <laughs> because what you just said can be God. I just came from Costco. I have a full trunk of goodies in my trunk. So when we, when, we, when we fall for one lie, we fall for more lies. See, when the enemy comes in with one thought, he's not there to just take one thing. He's there to take you over completely. He's wanting to spread his tentacles into other areas of your life. And so you see that example with the madman of Gadara. This madman, the Bible says he had been like that for a long time. The enemy just hidden at his mind. Hidden at his mind, hidden at his mind, hidden at his mind. So when we allow one deception of the enemy, the rest come through. The rest come through. So give the enemy no foothold. We had mentioned that he hits our mind repetitively. When the, when the lie penetrates your mind, this is what he does next. He creates a stronghold. So 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. But a mighty to God, the pulling down of strongholds. We don't pull them down. He builds a fortress. This is what a fortress is. A fortress is built so that nothing is able to come inside. So you'd see people, you would tell them, this is what the Bible says. This is what the scriptures say. They'll say, I hear you, but I just can't do it. I hear what you're saying, but I just can't do it because the enemy has formed a fortress in their mind. And then the devil begins to oppress the individual. When the devil begins to oppress, look at Acts 10.38. It says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Oppressed of the devil. That same word there, oppressed of the devil. When he begins to oppress, there's depression that sometimes come with it, but there's also strange sicknesses that come with it. And it all began with us letting him into our mind letting him into our mind, and knowing that this is the character of the enemy, but yielding to it, yielding to it, yielding to it, till finally one is completely deceived. And when we're completely deceived, then he holds you captive. And that's when you see somebody who began right. I, I had this testimony of somebody who, was, um, who wanted so bad to to prophesy. And the word prophesy means you've already stood before God, spent time before the Lord, and now you come forth with something. So let's say in your week or in a month, all you did was what the enemy's name really is. Satan means to slander, right? And all you did was to gossip, was to, you never spent time praying. And then all of a sudden you show up and you have a prophecy. Is that from God? Now, from what you're learning today, is that from God? That can be from God. So when someone has a word for you, you need to know how they're living. Are they spending time in the word or they just showed up and they have a word for you? 
and it must align with the scriptures. Amen. I know I'm racing this morning, but let's turn our Bibles to Acts 27, verse 10. Acts 27, verse 10. I want us to look at a story, a story, because God wants us to go beyond seeing in the natural to perceiving. And the Strong's Concordance, it, des it describes perceiving as to spiritually see. So perceiving goes more than what happens in the natural. So here was Paul in Acts 27, verse 10. And he said unto them, I perceive that this voyage be of much hurt, much damage, not only the lading of our ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than the things Paul had spoken. Because there was nothing commodious happening. There was no bad weather happening. See, sometimes there's no bad weather happening. But the person who's spending time with God, like Paul in the Bible, he knows that there's nothing happening, but there's something coming. So he's saying, this is dangerous. Let's not keep sailing. But they won't listen. But he said a word that is really important. He said, I perceive. He said what? I perceive. In the Strong's Dictionary, it, it defines it as to spiritually see. So you're not seeing just with your natural eyes, but you're spiritually seeing. God is calling us to that. Because if we're just to look at things in the natural, we'll only see part of it. But if we're to look with the eyes of God, we'll see more. He says in Job 33, 14, For God does speak, now in one way and now in the other way, but no one perceives it. He's calling us to perceive what he's saying. And then it says in Mark 4, 12, So they are seeing, meaning seeing with the natural eyes, but never perceiving. And he says, if they hear, if they perceive, then I would heal them. Did you know that the connection between our healing has to do with us just not listening once? but meditating in the word till it becomes second nature to us, and then we begin to perceive it, and then we begin to walk in healing. So I want to wrap up today so you can go have your dinner. I want to share a story with you before I close. So one day, we're coming for Wednesday night service, and while we're coming, usually we like to do the crock pot dinner and just make sure when we go back home, we have dinner to eat, right? And I know I've shared a lot of stories with you today. But this particular day, I went to the crock pot a couple of times. I'll keep going. I'll keep going. But every time I went, I'll say, two, I'll say three or four times. I'll come back to the vehicle and tell the kids, let's go. And then I'll go back again and come back and say, let's go. So eventually, I just decided, let's just go. So we come to Wednesday night service, and then we go back home. When we get there, we decide, okay, let's go ahead and have our dinner now. I plug the quick pot in, and it catches on fire. This is what had happened. Now, one of these paper cup holders had fallen into the crock pot. And you know how much heat the crock pot generates. So it started to catch on fire, but I was able to unplug it because I was right there. Now, had I started cooking before leaving, we'll come home to a burnt house, a burnt kitchen, burnt living room. And so that day, I began to ask the Lord. I said, God, there are times I've heard your audible voice. There are times I've heard your still small voice. 
But I remember the story I told you about the accident. I had no voice. I said, God, that accident, I know it's not the devil who saved our lives. I had no voice. Today, I had no voice. Can you tell me what's going on? Can you explain to me how you are saving my life and I don't know how? I need to have some biblical explanation for this because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and it's not him saving our lives. No. So please explain to me how did I not turn this crockpot off and how did I know to stop? Because when Joseph asked me, I had no answer for him, but can you give me some answers, please? And this is what he told to my heart. He says, when you obey me consciously, you would obey me unconsciously. He said, when you see it in the word and you make a practice of obeying it, you make a practice of obeying it, the day your life is at risk, you will do it without thinking. Now, there was a madman of Gadara. They came to him and the demons had taken over his mind. He had no clothes on. Was he conscious of that? No, because the devil had taken full control. And so he tore his clothes because the devil wanted him to do that. He might not even know why he's tearing his clothes. That's what the devil does. But when you give God full control in your life, when he has that brain end to end, he has the mind and he can lead and he can say, do this and you do it. He can tell you, give to this person and you do it. He can tell you, this is what the Bible says and you obey it. Whew. The opposite happens. You stop in the traffic light even when it's green. Because the Holy Spirit is doing it. It's not you. Because you've chosen to obey him consciously. Now, even in an unconscious state, you obey him. And I'll give you a scripture because I asked God for a scripture. Hebrews 5, 8 through 14, it says, Though he was a son, he lent obedience by the things he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto them who, unto them who obey him. Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to them who obey him. Called of God a high priest by the order of Melchizedek. But then he says in verse 11, there's so many things I want to tell you, but you're dull of hearing. Because as children of God, we have the capacity to hear our father. So he says, there's so many things I want to tell you, but you're dull of hearing. Because by this time, you should have been teachers, but you're still needing milk. 13. Because the use of milk is for the unskillful in the word. But strong meat belongs to them of full age, who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern between good and evil. It comes to a place where we have exercised our senses. We have exercised it how? We're meditating on the word. We see it. We're doers of the word. We're walking in what he says, and we begin to exercise our senses. And now, deep down on the inside of us, we know when it should be God. We know when we should do it. We know when it's the enemy because we've been training ourselves. We've been training ourselves. We've been training ourselves to be doers of the word. And it takes training to do that. So tonight... This morning, <laughs> I'd like for us to stand on our feet and pray a little bit. We've heard a lot this morning, and Pastor would come up and close us up.
and do the auto call. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray a little bit. Let's let's spend some time praying. Father, we just we just bless your name this this morning. We thank you for what you've allowed us to hear this morning, Lord. We thank you that your word has come forth, Lord. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus that your word speaks truth. I pray, Father, that every single one of us are delivered from the traps of the devil. Every single one of us are delivered from the voice of the enemy. Father, Lord, that we, do not, we will not go by the voice of the enemy, but, Father, we will go by your voice. We will listen to your voice. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, when you speak, we would hear what you say. When you speak, we will know it is you, Lord. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask, your word says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. Father, we are your sheep today. Lead us in the way we should go, Father. Order our steps are right, Lord. We shut the voice of the enemy. We want to pray of our minds right now. We plead the blood of our minds. We declare it's a no-go zone for the devil in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of our eyes. We declare we only see what God wants us to see. We plead the blood in the mighty name of Jesus over our lives. Father, order our steps, Lord, are right. Order our steps in the way we should go. And it all begins, hearing the voice of God all begins with making him the Lord of your life. So pastor is going to come lead us in a prayer right now. We trust this podcast was a blessing. Subscribe for more messages like these. If you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, we would love to hear from you. Email us at info at wordmissionchurchinternational.org. We will love to equip you in daily walk. So sign up for devotionals and encouragement at www.wordmissionchurchinternational.org. You may reach us at 719-235-5535.